This morning, as we jump into Mark chapter 6, we have a great text that really continues the theme of where we've been going the last couple of weeks. As Fred talked about John the Baptist, and last week we talked about the sacrifice of mission. And Today I'm going to do something different. We're just going to jump right in and jump right into where we're going in this whole section of, of three stories, and then we'll, we'll sort of hang the text on that. Um, I don't know whether any of you have studied World War II and remember what went on in World War II, but who was involved in the war effort in the United States? Would you say that the soldiers or, or more than that? It was pretty much everyone, wasn't it? Remember the kinds of things that they did? You had Rosie the Riveter, and, and you had people planting victory gardens to, to try to save some of the supplies for the troops, and people were donating just any scrap metal they had. And it became this collaborative group effort to, to win the war. Some of the things that I, w- I was reading, and um, some families were limited to just essential driving in order to save gas, because the gas was needed for the war. Um, some families would gather in one room at night to only use one candle or lamp to save supplies for the war. Some people, would, they would donate um, scrap metal, and that scrap metal became planes and tanks and guns. People limited themselves and sometimes were restricted to buying just so much of a certain product, maybe sugar, flour, or coffee. Why? Because the troops needed it for the war. If they ran out, they just went without until the next buying cycle. And all of this is, is something that Ralph Winter and then, and then later John Piper call a wartime lifestyle. And, and we saw it happen in World War II as, as the, the country came together and pulled for one purpose. All of our resources, all of our effort, all of our time, all of our prayers for one purpose. But what would happen if we as the church in America adopted that kind of wartime lifestyle for the mission? For the mission. Last week we started talking about mission, and in John chapter 5, the stories that we looked at there, the question that Mark was answering was, who is Jesus? Foundational question. And in in Mark chapter 6, the next question is, what does Jesus want us to do? What does He want us to do? And we we get to the concept of mission. And in the first 14 verses that we looked at last week, we saw that mission for the disciples, as Jesus was sending the disciples out, Mission incorporated two different things. Mission was sharing the gospel, preaching repentance. That was the first thing. And the second thing was touching lives, healing people, casting out demons. And so Jesus sent the disciples out to preach the gospel and to touch lives. Later, He sends us out to do the same thing. And we call it the Great Commission. Go as you're going, but go Make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we saw again the, the, the making of disciples, which involves preaching the gospel, doesn't it? Isn't that where discipleship starts? Preaching the gospel, but then you have discipleship and an involvement in their lives. And so the mission, why we are here, is to make disciples. It's to preach the gospel and touch lives. And as we started to look through some of the things last week, we saw that Jesus here is encouraging them to adopt a wartime lifestyle. Is encouraging them that mission is everything. 
Mission is everything. In fact, last week we made the statement that you cannot be a disciple without being about your master's mission. The two are incom- If you aren't about your master's mission, that's incompatible with saying you're a disciple, with saying, I follow Christ. But as we talked about last week, mission requires sacrifice. Mission always requires sacrifice of some sort. Just like a wartime lifestyle requires it. Now that sacrifice doesn't mean that we necessarily eliminate those things, but it means that all of those things are for the purpose of winning the war. All of those things are for the purpose of mission. And we saw Jesus, and and the first thing we saw is He went to His hometown. And and he, He had to battle loneliness because His relationship with His family was estranged. Because they weren't about the mission. And the mission is priority. And we see that family... Hmm. I'm not sure that this is going to work. We'll see. I don't know if anyone has... Don, if you could maybe find a... Oh, there it goes. Family was to be about mission. The mission of the kingdom. And then we moved on, and as Jesus is sending the disciples out, the next sacrifice we looked at was comfort and resources. As He said, go without a bag. Go without an extra tunic. Just go. And, and we see that those things are part of the sacrifice for mission. And again, it's that all of those things are, be to, are to be directed to mission. Because mission is the priority. What God has left us to do is everything. Is everything. Then as we went on, we saw even the sacrifice of discouragement. That there would be those that would reject. And as Jesus is, is responding to the disciples and say, some will reject. And so we see the whole idea of, of self. That self is to be given to mission. And a wartime lifestyle sees all of those things as, as focusing together to accomplish the purpose of why Jesus has left us here. What He has asked us to do. Today, then as we go on through Mark, and turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Because Mark uses a little mini sandwich here. Sort of the kind you get at little parties and different things like that. But Mark chapter 6. Remember, a sandwich is when... Thank you. One story is split by another story, so that way the two help interpret each other and we understand them together. And in Mark chapter 6, verse, verse 11 or verse 12, "...so they went out, proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons." and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so where we left last week was the the twelve are sent out. In pairs, they're sent out about mission. And then in verse 30, where we're going to pick it up today, the apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. But in the meantime, Mark puts this middle section that Fred talked about two weeks ago about John the Baptist. Why is it there? And it's there for a couple of reasons. As we look at the beginning, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. What did he hear of? 
He, he heard of the two going, the, the twelve going out two by two. He was hearing that the gospel was making a difference. So he was wondering, who is this? Speaking of Jesus, some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And then we get this, this interlude here of, of Herod saying, well, no, I, I took care of John the Baptist. I took care of him at the, the, the party, the festival, and the, the taking of his head. But why does Mark put that there? Why does he put it in the middle of mission? And he's doing that to, again, show just how serious it is to have a wartime lifestyle. Just how serious mission is. Because with that story, he says, your very life is dedicated to mission. And is to be used for the cause. And so everything is to be pointing to mission and to bringing us to the process of preaching the gospel and touching lives, making disciples. And so we get to the story today, a story that usually we hear all all on its own and in isolation, but a story that Mark here puts specifically in this place, and Jesus uses it intentionally to teach the disciples further about mission and what it means to have a wartime lifestyle. See, when all these things are pointing in the same direction, you have a synergy, you have a, a pulling in the same direction, and you have movement. But when we start to, to take those things outside and, and say, well, my family is just about being a good family, and my life, you know, I, I want some comfort, and my resources, yeah, I'm going to use some for mission, and, and other resources for you know just, just living a good life. And we start to take away efforts that are the heart of Christ. And if you think about it as a circle, and some of you probably knew I would go to the circle. It's about a circle, and that circle is the kingdom of God. And everything we do is to contribute to that circle. Pretend mission is part of that circle, in, in that circle. There we go. Everything we do is to contribute to that. Anything we do that is not contributing to that is taking away an opportunity for God to work. And that's revolutionary. It's different. It's a little nuts. But let's read and see what Jesus taught his disciples, starting at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And so they've been sent out, their first missions trip, and they come back, and how are your kids when they come back from their first missions trip? They're excited, they're jazzed, they're talking. Some parents say, I can't get them to be quiet. They won't stop talking. Well, that's because God did something. And this is what happened. The disciples come back, the apostles, the sent ones return, and told Jesus all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. First thing we see is Jesus is teaching about mission, and he's using this time to teach about how to last in mission, how to last in ministry, how to persevere. The first thing is we need to make time to rest and recharge. Make time to rest and recharge. 
See, so many times when I talk about the circle and when I talk about how everything is a wartime lifestyle, we think in terms of, okay, I can't even sleep. And, and that's missing the point because it's not that we don't sleep. It's not that we don't rest. But everything has a purpose of the kingdom of God and a purpose of reaching people with the gospel. And so rest is one of these circles. And it better be there. Because what Jesus knew is if we don't rest, if we don't recharge, we lose our ability to minister. And so the disciples just are talking, 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 talking. And he says, you know what? We need to get away. We need to get away. I imagine the disciples at this point were pretty peopled out. They were pretty drained. Excited, but drained all at the same time. And Jesus says, let's, let's rest. Says that they couldn't even eat. They had no leisure, no, no relaxation, no enjoyment to even stop and eat. And Jesus said, no, you need to. You need to. Now that's going to look different for each of you. You rest and recharge in different ways. For me, as, as I minister, I need some periodic time weekly that I can just rest, that I can recharge, that I can be ready to move forward. And that's one of the things that I, I so appreciate that you have given me is, is my Mondays. Because that is a time of rest and recharging that then Tuesday it's like, okay, let's go. And we need that and you need that, whether it be Sundays or, or Saturdays, whether it be some of you it may be daily and a time in the morning or, or a time at night, that you just need to rest. But here's the thing. Even rest could end up being out here and drawing us away from mission. When it becomes entertainment, when it becomes just a way to amuse ourselves, then rest now has a negative aspect. And so Jesus here, look at some things about these verses. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. The first thing that we see is that they were to come away with Jesus. It was about relationship. It was about relationship. See, if we come away and if we find a time of rest that has nothing to do with Christ, that has nothing to do with building our relationship with Christ, then it doesn't recharge. It, it, it doesn't, it, it's just there. It's just time wasted. But the purpose here was to get away with Jesus. I can only imagine Jesus looking in the, me in the eye and saying, let's get away, just you and me. Let's go talk. Let me put my arm around you. Let me recharge you. Rest needs to be about relationship. The other thing we see there is part of the rest is, is celebrating and debriefing. They were ready to share. And, and, and Jesus said, you know what? That's important. It's time to share. For parents, when your kids come home from those mission trips, when your kids come home from camp in a week, you need to sit on the edge of their bed and just let them talk. And you need to listen because that's part of rest. That's part of recharging. But what it also does is it builds a bond between you. It builds relationship. This week we had VBS. And we had a few children here. A lot of children here. If you were around, they were just everywhere. 
And so I'd like to just ask a question, what did God do this week? I know a number of you were helping. What did you see God do? What can we praise God for? You can talk back at this point. Yeah. A number of kids accepted Christ. And one of the former junior hires that they've invested in was one of the leaders that led them to Christ. That's exciting. That's amazing. Heaven is celebrating when souls come to Him. And souls came to Him this week. It's amazing. What else? What did you see God do? Yeah. People from the community, from the Project Touch area and beyond came in and, and we were able to minister to them. You know, I know we're missing a lot of our workers to Wildwood. <laughs> Anyone else? Some of the workers that were here. Yeah. Building relationships with the kids. One of the things, that's something I noticed as I walked around to, to watch the leaders playing with the kids. And, and it sounds like such a simple thing, but that's huge to building relationships and, and, and enjoying the children. It just are some really good things. My children were able to, um, all of them, remember every one of the stories and tell us the stories and repeat the stories back to us. They learned God's Word. God did some great things, both in the kids' lives and in the workers' lives, as I saw a village come together and reach out and touch a neighborhood. Part of rest is debriefing. Part of rest is enjoying what God has done. Third thing, I think I have A, B, and C on rest, though. The third thing is that rest has a purpose of recharging, so we return to ministry. So we return to ministry. See, if rest isn't about returning to ministry, then it's not about the mission. It's not about a, a wartime lifestyle of saying every resource I have, every moment I have is going to be directed, directed to the mission. Verse 32, And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. They got off away away from everything. At least they tried to. So make time to rest and recharge. It's part of mission. It's part of moving forward. The second thing though, in verse 33, what the disciples didn't know is that pretty much the boat ride is the rest that they would get. And in verse 33, and, and Jesus knows this and He's intentional because He's teaching a lesson, we read, Now many saw them going and recognized them. They recognized the disciples now because they had gone out in pairs. And so they recognized Jesus. They recognized the disciples. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Nice rest, huh? And so picture it. They go off on the boat. And the Sea of Galilee isn't that big. So they could see where the boat was going. And, and they, they knew the area well enough. And as they're running and, and word is spreading through towns, they... they they get there ahead of the boat. Maybe there was a contrary wind, or we, we don't know quite how all that worked out, but we'll take God's word for it. 
and they get there and, and the disciples are weary and they're tired and they're resting and they're finally letting down their hair and, and letting down from, from being on mission the whole time. In verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And I can just picture the disciples, and I'm guessing here based on their comments that are coming, I can picture them going, oh, enough. Enough. I just need a moment. But catch the heart of Christ. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. And I would underline or circle or or highlight that word compassion because that is the heart of Christ and that is what he was trying to teach the disciples. He had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Point number two. We need to make compassion a priority over personal needs. Make compassion a priority over personal needs. Jesus was undoubtedly tired as well and ready for rest. And and they get to the shore and we have a choice when we, when we get to distractions and when we're tired and when we think we're at the end of, of our ability to minister and our uh, ability to be about mission. And, and something happens and we have a choice. Do we see it as an annoyance? Or do we see them as people that need Christ? And our choice is a choice of selfishness, really. It's a choice of am I committed to myself or am I committed to God's mission? But I, I have to confess, so many times I'm like, no, I need to rest. And I'm convicted by Jesus when he steps off the boat and he looks at them and instead of seeing trouble, he sees a people that need to spend eternity in heaven and need the gospel and need care. And if we're to develop a wartime lifestyle, this comes with comfort, but I'm going to go ahead and put needs as well. We need to be willing to sacrifice our needs for the mission. See, ministry is messy. I've heard the statement, you know, ministry is great except for the people. No, no, the people are the ministry. That is the mission. And ministry is messy because there's not a one of us in this room that is perfect. There's not a one of us that is, is great 100% of the time to get along with. Some of you are saying, well, well yeah, I am. There, there's not, and so ministry is messy, it is tiring, it takes work, because we live in a fallen world and we have an adversary that is opposing us. And so it's going to take work and it's going to be hard. Jesus might have had a right to be irritated with these people. The disciples might have had a right. But instead, He looks at them and He says they're sheep without a shepherd. They don't have leadership. They don't have guidance. Thank you very much.
And the word for compassion is, is a much deeper word than we think of in English. In English, we're like, yeah, I feel sorry for you. I have compassion for you. But this word actually had the concept, and and sometimes some of the original meanings are are really interesting, but it was the original meaning was from the pit of the stomach. And, and, And the idea was such a deep care and such a deep ache for them that it comes from the very pit of the stomach. When, when you see something, and, and we've all had it where we see a story and it just gets us right here. We use that phrase, right? That's the word for compassion that Jesus is using. It, it's a consuming idea that, that you can't get past. You just ache for that person to know Christ, for their needs to be met, to care for them. And that's what Jesus looked out on the crowd and felt. And it, it does become consuming. And, and if we're to last in ministry, and if we're to be able to minister when we're tired, when we're able, if we're able to minister in the middle of any circumstance, compassion must be the foundation. If we're just doing it as duty, there's all kinds of reasons we'll stop. But if we minister because we care for people, that's the heart of Christ have the same mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And at Village, if whatever ministry you're in, whether it seems like it's people-oriented or not, do we have compassion? And that is the litmus test of do we have the heart of Christ? There's all kinds of excuses we use to get away from it, but the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, is a care from the pit of the stomach. And if I care for those children that are running around throwing water on me from the pit of my stomach, then I really don't care about the water because it's about their souls for eternity. And I will chase them and I will pursue them and I will reach them with the Gospel. Let me use an interesting comparison that you'll never have thought I would use. I'd like to think of engineering for a minute. And before I was a pastor, I was a software engineer, and I did I wrote a lot of software. And it was interesting when 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 you come when you're writing software for a computer, there's every now and then a bug, something that goes wrong, and and, and so you 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 have this problem that you're trying to solve, and that problem becomes so consuming, and at least it did for me. And so if I was trying to figure out how to make this program do something, I, I couldn't think of anything else, and. Sometimes, and Susie had to live through this, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd be like, that's it! That's it! I'd run to the computer and log in and fix it and, and, and be a little bleary-eyed in the morning, but it was, it was that kind of consuming. Now, what if compassion for us in ministry was that consuming? See, compassion to care for someone from the pit of my stomach means I'll be thinking about how to reach them all the time. I'll be thinking about how all my resources can go toward mission. How can I reach that neighbor that doesn't know Christ? And, and that changes every time I see them. Now it's an opportunity. Can I talk to them about Christ? Can I, can I build relationship with them? When that little girl I was talking about comes to the door, it's not an annoyance. It's, she, she needs Jesus. She needs Jesus. And so don't miss the heart of Christ. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Just on a side note, I think one of the the fears that we have of compassion is we think that compassion means overlooking things. We think that compassion means not helping them and just, just accepting their sin. What does it say Jesus did? He taught them. He used compassion as a motivation to preach repentance and to preach truth and to bring them into knowledge of the truth. That's not soft. That's not accommodating. It's caring. D.L. Moody built a, a, a huge Sunday school program. Kids came to him from all over Chicago. One boy was walking, and, and he was walking a really long way to come to Sunday school, and someone stopped him and asked, and said, so why are you doing that? You're passing some other churches. And he looked at the man and said, well... They love a fellow over there. They love a fellow over there. And he felt something different, a compassion that brought many, many souls to Christ. Jesus got off the boat and saw a needy, messy people that needed Christ. It's interesting to see that the Old Testament talks of the Messiah in, in terms of a shepherd and in terms of a people that needed a shepherd. In Numbers 27, 15, Moses is talking to the Lord and it's at the end of his life. And Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep that have no shepherd. And Jesus is probably quoting this, actually. He's referring to this, referring back to a time where the children of Israel were not going to have a shepherd, but then God would appoint one. It's an issue of leadership. And then in Ezekiel 34, and I will set up over them one shepherd. And this is where it's pointing to the Messiah, where Jesus, where God is saying there will be a shepherd. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And we know that his servant David, the son of David, was Jesus Christ. And, and so... Part of the the cultural aspect of this is as Jesus said this, as He's doing this, He is proclaiming, and they would have understood it as He is the Messiah. And He is there to lead and care and shepherd. We're spending the most time on this point because I think it's vital for us at Village. Are we willing to make compassion a priority over personal needs? People are more important than programs. People are more important than efficiency. People are why we minister, and it's why Jesus ministered. A number of you have young children. And young children have this this quality of at times being up throughout the night. 
What keeps you going? What keeps you getting up when they cry for the tenth time and you're dead tired? What keeps you going to them and changing another diaper or, or, or fix, helping comfort another bad dream? It's that you love them. You love them. That's why God makes them so cute. So we love them so they survive. And the same is true of ministry. If we find ourselves getting annoyed at people we're ministering with, we need to come back to our heart and say, am I loving them? Or have I started thinking of ministry as something else? Make time to rest and recharge, but be willing to postpone that. Make compassion a priority over personal needs. Third, as we move on to verse 35, don't take shortcuts. Don't take shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in in mission. Verse 35, And when it grew late, His disciples came to Him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And it's interesting as we look at the tone, and as we look at where the disciples go from here, excuse me, the, the idea really is, well, Jesus, we, we, we did our part. I understand the whole compassion thing, but now we're really tired. And, 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 and they, may, they start making excuses. Well, you know, it's really late, and so they all need to go. You know, it's like when, you, when you're, where you're having people over, and, and it's getting, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and you stand up and say, oh, I'm really tired. And, and you're hoping that, that you know, that, that's caught, and, and they, oh yeah, yeah, it's time for us to go. That's sort of the, the feel of the disciples here is, it's getting late. They need to go, they need to eat. And, the, and there's a little bit of an annoyance here, and we look at their tone, and, and Jesus answered them, verse 37, but He answered them, you give them something to eat. No, no, your ministry's not done. In fact... You take care of it. And he said to them, or, or, and, they, and they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? 200 denarii, one denarii is about a day's wages. So this is anywhere from 8 to 12 months of wages. And they come up with another, another reason why it won't work. We don't have enough money. In fact, you told us not to go with any money on our last trip. I mean, it's late. Can we go and, and buy bread and give it, give it to them to eat? And in verse 38, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. See, the disciples here are making excuses. They're wanting to end the ministry. They haven't discovered yet what Christ was trying to get through to them that ministry is something we do with all our heart. And they needed to be wholehearted about this ministry. They needed to see it through because they needed to care for these people. They needed to not take shortcuts. To not try to, try to short, short change it to get back to their needs. It would be like in wartime lifestyle if I said, you know what? 
I'm going to help, but, but I'm just going to help a little bit. I'm going to have you know, the, this, this car that I could donate, but I'm just going to donate a bumper for the war effort. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to go all the way. You need to go all in. Care fully for people without excuses. And number four, along with that, what Jesus is bringing them to is to trust God to fill and even use your gaps. Trust God to fill and even use your gaps. See, Jesus here starts to question. And the disciples are saying, we don't have the money to do this. We don't have the capability to do this. Quite frankly, they probably didn't have the energy to do this. And Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? Bring it to me in a heart of service, in a heart that's about mission, and see what I will do. See what I will provide. Trust God to fill and even use our gaps. Isn't it true that God can use our weaknesses? In fact, God often uses our weaknesses because then He gets the glory and He gets the credit. And so in verse 37, like we mentioned, He says, you give them something to eat. Not from the village. Not from other people. You take care of this. You minister. Keep going. Persevere. Trust Me that I can give you the strength. Trust Me that I can give them the food. Would God give us a task that He can't provide for? Would He give them a task that they couldn't accomplish? Oh, I'm just going to give this to them to watch them fail. (laughs) No! He gives them a task and then He equips them and resources them to do it. It's reminiscent of Numbers 11 when Moses is talking to God about feeding 600,000 people for a month. And he says, Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Literally, is, is His hand not able to handle this? Now you shall see whether My word will come true for you or not. And Jesus says, Trust Me. Bring what you have to the table. If you're exhausted in ministry and sometimes rest and recharging just don't seem to be working, come to God faithfully and say, I I still choose to obey you. I still choose to be about mission. I still choose to care for people and have compassion on people. But this is all I've got. And just see what God does with that. See what God does with that. Trust God to fill and even use your gaps. And then in verse 39, from 39 on, we see that God's amazing work will energize us because He takes over. He gets the glory. Then He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Again, probably a reference to the shepherd metaphor that's running throughout the whole whole text that Jesus is a shepherd and He's caring and He's providing. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Blessing was probably a traditional blessing. Something like, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, 
king of the world who brings forth bread from the earth. And then the people at the table would have responded with an amen. And so Jesus would say this blessing, and I can just imagine 5,000 men and their families on top of that saying, Amen. And he starts to break it. And he gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he hands them some bread, hands them some fish. And he divided them among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Simple little phrase. And they all ate. 5,000 plus families plus the disciples. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And we see God's provision in a miraculous way as He provides and says, come to Me even when you're tired. Come to Me when you have nothing left. And be about mission. And watch Me work. Watch Me work. See the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark. And it's, it's actually the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. It was that significant. And we see that Jesus is going to come back to this about that He is the bread of life. But what Mark is using it for here is to show that it's in the context of being dead tired and exhausted and not wanting to minister anymore. And Jesus says, I care for these people. I will provide for these people. Join me. Join me. It's about wartime lifestyle. Does everything and every part of our lives contribute to mission? To why Jesus has us here? Why He has left us here? I encourage you to think, and there's a little space on your notes at the end. Think today, what what does wartime lifestyle mean to you? I love the illustration of are we on a cruise ship or a battleship? You know, if we're on a cruise ship in our Christian lives and in the church, then, then we're concerned about very different things, right? On a cruise ship, you're, you're concerned about, are my needs being met? You know, is, am I comfortable? Do I like the captain and his crew? Do, you know, and all these things, and, and it's really about me. But I would propose this morning that that is an awful metaphor for the church. And that the metaphor should be, are we on a battleship? Are we going into war for the King? Are we under the Great Shepherd? Are we looking for ways to sacrifice our comfort, to sacrifice our own needs for the sake of the war? Because men and women, we are in a war. And people are dying every day that don't know Christ. And our heart from the pit of our stomach should ache for them. Should ache for them. And so in that space, I would encourage you to think of maybe just one area or one thing that you can give up. And I'm not thinking necessarily possessions. Maybe that's what it is for you. But, but maybe it's giving up time on something so that you can devote to deepening your walk with God and reaching those around you. Maybe it's, it's giving up some sort of comfort or, or some sort of 
focus that we have that, that is building ourselves up instead of building the kingdom of God? What can be sacrificed for the king? What can be sacrificed for the war? I applaud you who sacrificed a week of your time this week to be around 90-some rowdy little kids. See, that's sacrifice. Sacrificing comfort. Could have been home eating ice cream. I don't know. But instead, you were here with kids hanging all over you, making a difference for the kingdom. I applaud things like when a group goes to Guatemala and gives a week of their time and salaries and vacation to make a difference for the kingdom. I applaud the Sunday school teachers that have spent hours this week already preparing for the next hour that could have been spent relaxing with a tea or something. Those are the kinds of sacrifices that begin to point us towards mission. I pray we don't provide you a cruise ship. My prayer is that we provide a battleship that even if it's hard, is ready to go into battle. May that be what we're about. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that You would put the heart of Christ into the pit of our stomach. That we would come to village and look around and see people that need to be cared for, that we need to have compassion for and find ways to reach them. I pray that we would look at, at the Project Touch area as we drive to church, as we see them coming to Awana, to Vacation Bible School, to Second Harvest, and in the pit of our stomach, long for them to know You. I pray that as we see our neighbors go out to get their papers and drive to work in the morning, that we can't get it out of our heads. How can we reach them with the Gospel? How can we make disciples? Lord, I pray for all of those people that we have in our windows and that board that people have put their names on that they're praying for. I pray that You would make us not sleep until we think of how to reach them. To be restless for the kingdom. To long for what You long for. Lord, I thank You for village and so many people willing to sacrifice so much to reach so many. May we continue to do so May that be what we're about as we make disciples and disciple our communities for You. Lord, if it means breaking us out of our comforts and making us uncomfortable, then make us uncomfortable. Challenge us to be kingdom people and to be about mission. In Jesus' name, amen.